You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid TV and movie recommendations for what ails you. And as usual, our disclaimer, we are not real therapists, but we are real TV and movie critics. All right, Kristen, shall we get to this week's letters? Yes, let's do it. Our first letter is from Christina. Christina says... Dear Rafer and Kristen, when I was growing up, my mother was obsessed with my weight. She constantly commented on my body, my dress size, what I put in my mouth, whether my clothes were flattering, and so on. Sometimes the comments were outright cruel. Sometimes they were just passive-aggressive, like, are you really going to eat all that? I understand she was insecure about her own weight, and she didn't want me to have her same weight struggles, but it really set me up to hate my body. I vowed that when I had my own kids, I'd be different with them. But this past year has really tested that vow. Over the course of the pandemic, my preteen daughter has put on quite a bit of weight. I know it's not unusual to put on weight during puberty, and I also know that the pandemic has resulted in people of all ages sizing up. But despite reminding myself of these facts, I find myself making the same passive-aggressive remarks my mom used to make with me. I know that what I'm doing is terrible, and I hate myself for doing it. Do you have any advice to get me to stop doing this? I don't want my daughter to hate her body the way I still hate mine. That is an intense letter, I have to say. Um, I think um, not so much, I mean, for me, not so much because of a of a of the weight issues, although that is something that I've uh, struggled with a lot in the past. Um, I know people usually see me and I'm kind of like, a, I'm a tall guy. I'm kind of skinny build, but um, I was a very, very heavy kid for um, most of my life uh, until high school. Um, and so, you know, I definitely felt that uh, as a kid, but more than that, I think my heart goes out to this um, person because I know what it's like to be a parent and criticize your kid and you mean well, or maybe you think you mean well, but you just are sort of projecting something onto your kid that you don't like about yourself. And so you want to, you know, stop your kid from doing that. Um, 
And I spend a great deal of my time thinking like, oh God, was that the one? Was that the remark that was just a total life changer right there that he'll never forgive mm. me for and that'll be the end of it? And 30 years oh. from now, he's going to come back to me and go, do you remember that day at the kitchen table? And I'm going to be like, oh my God, yes, yes, I remember it. Um, oh. So it's, you know, it's it's tough. And we all bring a lot of baggage to this stuff and, you know, from our own parents and uh yeah, so on that, on that, I guess on two levels, but mostly just the level where, you know, you want to be a good parent to your kid. That's where I really relate to this reader, this listener, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, and I really want to say I commend your self-awareness here. I don't know how many people are aware of the fact that they're putting down people because of their size or their weight. Absolutely right. Particularly their own kids. And I've mentioned it on the show before. I, I grew up being criticized constantly for my weight, scrutinized for every item of food I put in my mouth. It was a constant in my household. I don't think my grandmother or my mother intended to be, you know, terrible to me about it. This was their own insecurity. And it's something that they just pushed forward onto me. And and it sucked as a kid, but I'm sure it also sucked for them as grownups to spend their whole lives this obsessed with their weight and hating their bodies as much as they did. And I appreciate, Christina, that you're trying to nip it in the bud now. Do totally. it now, That's... please. Don't 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 go any further with this. And um and and Christina, I just want to encourage you to remember lots of people go through this world fat and survive and thrive. Two thirds of Americans are considered overweight or obese. Being fat does not make us ugly or unlovable or flawed, but what does make us unlovable or at least feel as if we are is being treated as if we're not worthy of love as we are. And Christina, I know you're capable of treating your daughter with love just as she is, celebrating all of the great things about her, regardless of the size of her body, celebrating the things her body does, like breathing and moving or playing an instrument. I'm not really sure what your daughter does, Christina, but there's so much great stuff to celebrate about her and what her body does, not what it looks like. Am, am I talking in circles, Rafer? I think you make. I think you're making total sense, and I. Uh, I just want to echo the, this idea that if you are, if you are aware of what you're doing, that is really the first step, and it's a good sign that um, you're probably going to nip it in the bud. Um, so I think that's. I think that's good. That's very good advice. I've sized up. I like that term. I'm going to use sized up from now on. I've sized <laughs> up during the pandemic. Oh, so have I. I was at the doctor the other day, and it's like, yep. <laughs> There I am. I've sized You're up. You're sizing up, Ms. Meinzer. I'm so <laughs> glad to you. see that. Thank you so um, much. There's more to love. <laughs> so, Kristen, what are you going to recommend for this listener? No, I want you to go first, Rafer, because... Me? Uh, yes, here's why. Because I, I saw your notes. I know you're going to prescribe something that I wanted to prescribe. Oh, I beat you to it. But you beat me to it. And I, so, you know what? And I know why. I know why you're <laughs> mad. I know exactly why you're mad. All right, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, okay, I am going to prescribe from 2018, Dumplin' on Netflix. Yes! Great little movie that kind of got lost in the shuffle, I think, uh, in 2018. There were a lot of movies out, and, and this one got a little buzz, and people liked it, and it you know got some press, but then it, it sort of faded away a little bit, um, unjustifiably so, I think. Um, takes place in a small Texas town. Uh, Danielle McDonald from Patty Cakes uh, plays Willow Dean. She's a teenager waitress at a burger joint. She is a plus-size girl, fairly heavy. Her nickname is Dumplin', uh, and she is definitely the opposite of her skinny little mother, Rosie, played by 
Jennifer Aniston, and Rosie was once the queen of the misteen blue bonnet pageant, and that was her life. And now she basically runs it. She's like one of the organizers of the pageant. And she'd like her daughter to follow in her footsteps. That was the dream. But, you know, the whole size issue. Willow Dean isn't quite pageant material, so no one really asks her to be in the pageant. And one day Willow Dean gets so mad, so mad at her mom, so mad at everybody, that she decides to enter that pageant. And at first she does it just out of spite, but then she decides to really work at it. And it turns out she just might have a shot. Here's a clip. Look, you've been kind of hard to pin down, so I'm just going to tell you. I like you, Will. What about Becca? Becca? What about Becca? She asked me to a dance. That's it. And I didn't go. I don't like Becca like that. I don't... I don't understand. Pretty simple. No. No, it's not. Because you and I... We don't work together in the real world, Bo. You're supposed to be with someone like Becca. What are you talking about? Oh, God. I'm talking about this. How are you missing this? Do you not know what it would be like to be with me? Never took you for the type that cares much what people think. I can't, Bo. And that might make me a coward. It does. Willa Dean Dixon, I think you're beautiful. To hell with anyone else who's ever made you feel less than that. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting so emotional. You're tearing up already. I'm, it's just a clip. I'm getting so emotional because I love this movie so much. I love that Willa Dean gets to do things that any other kid gets to do. Fall in love, have best friends, yep. make mistakes, yep. you know, do all the things that we're frequently told. A fat girl can't right. do that. No one's going to love her. Rebel, right? Yeah. Yes. She is so loved and she has such a great life. And can I bring up Dolly Parton? Of course. That's that's why you're mad. That's why you're <laughs> mad that I stole this movie from you, Kristen. <laughs> Dolly Parton her music plays throughout this movie because Willa Dean just loves Dolly Parton so much. And her late aunt introduced her to Dolly Parton. And her late aunt is kind of her guardian angel who she thinks of all the time. And her late aunt, you know, lived this secret, fabulous life where she hung out with drag queens, where she was rebellious, yeah. where she wore wacky clothes. And Aunt Lucy. Yeah. Yes, yes. And Willa Dean, on her journey to standing up for herself and, you know, pursuing this whole pageant, she relies so much on the spirit of her aunt and the spirit of Dolly Parton. And it is just such a delight. It is. It's a great little movie. Um, you know, um, I think it does a couple of things really well. One is, like we were saying, it, you know, it does kind of show you how all these little comments about weight and health and your looks and, you know, your life, how these comments can kind of add up uh, over the years and really damage a person. Um, and I also think, um, obviously, the Dolly Parton soundtrack is great. She got a Golden Globe nomination for that original song in it. And I can't remember if yes, she won she or did. not, but she did. It was with, it was Dolly Parton and Linda Perry that wrote that song. Anyway, I can't remember if they won. But um and it also has this really nice relationship between Willow Dean and the cute guy who's named Bo, who's like just your average guy. He's got the average body mass uh, index, you know, nice guy, kind of kind of cute, also works the burger joint. He could date just about any girl in town, but he likes Willow Dean. He's not ashamed to say it. He loves her out loud. And I thought that was really sweet and a really great moment in the film. Love it so much. Dumplin' is such a great choice. 
I am mad at you for choosing it because I wanted to, but I commend you for choosing it at the same time. Okay, Kristen, well, what did you go for? All right. Well, since you took the movie I wanted to that includes drag queens, I had to choose another movie that includes drag queens. This is a movie from 1988 by the great John Waters called Hairspray. Of course. I feel like we switched movies. Yeah, you, you should have done Dumplin' and I should have done Hairspray. I didn't even think of Hairspray. I feel like Hairspray is such a movie you would have picked, Rafer. I was surprised that you didn't pick it. But for anyone out there who does not know the story of Hairspray, it is all about a girl, a teenage girl named Tracy Turnblad, played by Ricky Lake. Yep. It's 1962. It's Baltimore. And all she wants to do is pursue stardom as a dancer on the local TV show. And you know what? She's pleasantly plump. Yes, in her own words. And yes, she might not be the picture of what everyone expects a teen dream to look like, but she wants to go after that dream. And at the same time, she also wants to rally against racial segregation. Uh, I did mention there's drag queen presence in this movie. I am speaking of the great Divine, who plays Tracy's mother. And her mother takes diet pills. Her mother's not always happy with her body. And Tracy has to learn how to be happy with her body, regardless of whether or not her mom hates her own body, and become a confident girl who uses her body, who seeks the spotlight, who experiences love, who fights for what's right. And she tries her best to do it. And I'm just going to give a hint here. She might even succeed. Here's a clip. Would you do a pimple cream commercial on camera if Corny asked you to? I'd be proud to. Luckily, I've never been cursed with acne. But I realize the devastating effect of skin blemishes on the social life of teenagers. Would you ever swim in an integrated swimming pool? I certainly would, Iggy. I'm a modern kind of girl. I'm all for integration. Aren't you a little fat for the show? That's enough, Amber. I would imagine that many of the home viewers are also pleasantly plump or chunky. Oh, come on. The show's not filmed in CinemaScope. You're out of line, Amber. Corny, Tammy, can't you see? This girl's a trash can. That's five demerit points. You're suspended from the show today. Pack up your things and go home. So I have kind of a love-hate relationship with this movie, Kristen. Ooh, tell me why, really. Well, the reason is because I was a John Waters fan from from the late 70s, early 80s. Right when he was a midnight circuit guy, mm, pink flamingos and exactly polyester oh. and female trouble and all these movies that oh, were so good, female trouble, so good. truly like you know, kind of disgusting, reprehensible films that you really could not show <laughs> anywhere outside of a, a, a dingy, stinky art house theater at midnight. Oh yeah, notably they were all rated X, and yes, Hairspray was a John Waters departure because it was PG when every other movie he made was rated X. Well, then it was a really, you know, funny thing that John Waters kind of suddenly went, he went kind of mainstream 80s. You know, he he somehow took the 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 80s aesthetic, which which frankly he had influenced, the kind of candy-colored, pastel, mm-hmm. pink and green, you know, kind of shocking juxtaposed colors, um, kitschy, campy, you know, sort of 50s perverse. And suddenly he was like, you know, mainstream, happy, feel-good film guy. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, they all sell out, every single one of them. <laughs> they always sell out. And I was so mad. I was so mad. But on the other hand, 
you know, John Waters was and Divine, of course, were really these outliers. And the whole point of uh, uh, films like Pink Flamingos was to kind of shove their faces into the culture and kind of announce, you know, we're we're here, we're here, we're not going anywhere, and you're going to have to make some freaking room for us. And in a weird way, like. Hairspray was one of the most subversive films he ever made. I mean, he brought he brought this whole idea that misfits like Divine could play a woman in this film. Divine is not playing a drag queen. She is playing Tracy's mom. And she just she yes. plays the character. And it's it's a great send up of 50s films. And it's a great sort of plea for tolerance. And it's a movie about, you know, uh, uh, racial integration and harmony and all these great things. And in a way, it's kind of one of the craziest, weirdest, most influential films that John Waters did. It's kind of a kind of a great capstone for his career in a way. Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, it was Divine's last movie. But I feel oh, like... Oh, is that right? Was yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like if you have to go out on a final film, why not go out on one that became internationally celebrated, that resulted totally. in a hugely respected musical, in a hugely popular totally. remake? This movie has gone on and on throughout history. A and, total phenomenon, that movie. And I just love it. I love that something that would be considered so twisted and unconventional would become such a huge hit and normalize certain things that weren't normal before this movie. Totally, totally. No, that's a great, that's a great choice. Um, I, 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 I concur, Dr. Meinzer, I concur. Um, Thank you. All right. So once again, our recommendations are from Kristen, The Great Hairspray by John Waters, and for me, Dumplin' on Netflix. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but before we do... Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody who continues to give us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. For example, Ben Naperville recently gave us five stars and wrote, At the beginning of each year, I normally attend a couple of different film series. Unfortunately, this year they are canceled due to COVID. Movie therapy is filling the gap with recommendations of movies I likely wouldn't have found on my own. So instead of the Molly Schlitch film series, I'll enjoy the movie therapy film series. Keep the great picks coming. Well, thank you, Ben Naperville. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume Naperville when I think Naperville, isn't there a Naperville, California? I think it's Naperville, Illinois, and the Molly Schlitch film series is actually in Naperville, Illinois, if I'm not mistaken. It's in right, it's in Springfield. It's in Springfield, Illinois, which I, I clearly <laughs> did not know. I had to Google that. I was so fascinated by this idea of the <laughs> Molly Schlitch or Schlick film series. I just thought, well, that was just dropped so casually into the into this letter <laughs> that I had to go look for it. Um so yeah, I guess Naperville, Illinois, who knows? Anyway, wherever you are, been Naperville. Thank you very much. All right. Stay with us when we're back. We have someone who wants to help her teenagers break curfew from the comfort of home. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts.
We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, take it away. All right. This one is from Emily Ann. Little Ann at the end of the Emily there. I like that. Isn't that sweet? Hold on. Is this your wife? It's not. It's not. This is Ann with an E, and my wife is Ann oh, with no yes. E. Yes. Uh, one of the rare Anns with no E. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Emily Ann says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, over the past year of lockdown, family movie night has been one of the few activities that brings my 17-year-old introvert and 15-year-old extrovert out of their rooms. I am happy to have my kids home safe, but am afraid they are missing out on making memories and mistakes. Could you recommend a movie that will allow them to break curfew from the safety of the couch while speaking to each of their personality types? Mm. This is another parent who I really respect. You see each of your kids for who they are. Right. They're, they're different people. And you want them to be able to enjoy some of the things that teenagers should enjoy doing, you know, yeah, pushing back uh, against uh, parental expectations, maybe sneaking out of the house, maybe getting up to a little bit of naughty here and there, right? I hear you, but I, it's it's so true. I mean, wh- you know, where are you going to sneak? Where are you going to go? It's, <laughs> it's so difficult, right? Um, I'm going to go to the living room. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah, and it's interesting that you've got an introvert, an extrovert. I mean, I'm with you. You know, I've got two boys, much younger than yours, but, um, you know, it's the same thing. Family movie night, you know, that if you don't pick something good, everyone's just going to stay in their bed and do their own thing. And you're all going to, you know, life's just going to zoom past you. Um, so, yeah, I understand this one very much. And it, yeah, it's got to be, I always think of, you know, there, there are some kids I know who um, this was their first year of college which sounds mm. super difficult. There are kids I know who this was their first year of high school. Um, you know, here for my kids, it's their last year of middle school and their last year of elementary school. And, and you know, what a way to spend it, you know, trapped indoors and on Zoom calls and, you know, your friends are all, you know, sheltering. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's difficult. It's a, real, it's a real drag for kids, I think. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, Emily Ann, when I was the age of your kids, I was doing all sorts of stuff that I probably shouldn't announce right here in this podcast because it was probably illegal. (laughs) And I just, yeah, it's a great time in life to make mistakes, to explore uh, the limits. And again, I'm just really glad that you see the value of that and want to give that to your kids. I totally agree. All right. So, Kristen, you've got to go first this time. What's what's your recommendation? Well, Emily Ann, I have to apologize because I know you asked for a movie because this is movie night. But I decided instead to choose a TV show that just got released on Hulu. It's a show from 1999. Uh, This is the first time, really, that it's widely available for free anywhere, although Hulu's not quite free, but you know what I mean. It's called Freaks and Geeks. Do you know the show, Rafer? Oh, of course. Oh, it's it's this is this is the definition of brilliant but canceled. Yes, absolutely. Now, if you're not familiar with Freaks and Geeks, you may be familiar with the people who created Freaks and Geeks, uh, Judd Apatow and Paul Feig, and you'll definitely be familiar with the cast. Uh, this show launched the careers of James Franco, Seth Rogen, Jason Segel, Busy Phillips, Linda Cardellini. Uh, it really was an all-star cast and just fantastic writing, great creators. And uh, just to catch you up on it, if you don't know, Freaks and Geeks follows two teen siblings in suburban Detroit in the 1980s. 
The older sibling is Lindsay. She is a star mathlete who tries to shrug off her straight-laced image and fit in with the school slackers. The younger sibling is Sam, who, along with his very geeky friends, tries to find a place higher up on the social hierarchy. And the show has an outstanding soundtrack. And again, I just got to reiterate, the writing is fantastic. A lot of it's cringeworthy, and a lot of it just captures what it's like to be a kid who wants to push back, who wants to go beyond the expectations and the limits that are around them. Here's a clip. No, what you got to do is look for something in the store that's expensive but looks really cheap. And then you switch price tags with something that is really cheap. Then you got to put the original back on it and return it for store credit. That's how I got this jacket. Ten bucks this thing cost me. Oh, it's beautiful. Clearly worth all the effort. (laughs) My dad caught a shoplifter once. And he had to lock him in the store. And then the cops came. Well, my dad says shoplifters cost him a fortune. Hey, if I owned your store, I caught some little kid shoplifting, I'd just take him out back and I'd deal with it. Oh, would you, Mr. Tough Man? Yeah, I would, Mrs. Tough Man. <laughs> oh, like that time when uh, John Ergner kicked your ass? Like like that? Do you mind flapping your lips somewhere else? You smell. Hey, what, did you guys break up or something? No, we didn't break up. I dumped his loser ass. Oh, I love the bad kids. <laughs> I always love. I always love the bad kids. I wanted to be a bad kid so much. Were you a bad kid? Uh, a complicated answer to that question, Kristen. That would take a long time to unpack. No, no, I was not. A, I was not a. I, I, I wasn't. Then I was. Then I don't know what I was. I don't know. Hard to explain. Hard to explain, Kristen. A lot of phases. Yes. But but regardless of the phase, I'm guessing you can relate to a lot of this show. Oh, totally. I, oh, that's a great show. Yeah. Jason Siegel is the, as the drummer boyfriend who's dating the girl and his dad turns him on to Buddy Rich. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the geeks playing Dungeons and Dragons. And, yes. And then in one episode, our freak James Franco somehow ends up joining the geeks and becoming really into Dungeons and Dragons, too. So... <laughs> I mean, the show is delightful. It's really delightful. And the no good that they get up to is just the right amount that I think you as a parent, Emily Ann, will uh, feel like, I'd be okay if my kids got up to this kind of naughtiness. And, you know, maybe the kids can live vicariously through the show. Totally. I mean, again, fair warning. It ends practically in mid-sentence. Yes. I mean, it's it's, that you, you got you just have to you have to prepare yourself for heartbreak. My wife and I, like many people, I think, discovered this uh, series after the fact. Um, and I can't remember, to be honest, how we watched it, because I feel like it was before this sort of age of streaming. But I can't remember how we watched it, but we kind of binged it as best we could. And I remember we just got to the end and we just thought, you're kidding. You're kidding. That's it. That's the end of it. So just be prepared. Just just steal yourself now for that. But it's totally worth it. Totally, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Um, I didn't discover it until the 2000s. One of my friends owned the DVDs. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she was yeah. shocked I'd never seen it. She's like, you need to watch it. I'll loan you my DVD set. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Once you meet a convert, you're going to be a convert, too. That's totally true. But enough about freaks and geeks, Rafer. I want to hear what you are prescribing to Emily Ann. Well, great minds think alike, uh, Christian. I chose another Judd Apatow production um, from Seth Rogen, one of the stars of Freaks and Geeks. Uh, I chose Superbad from 2007. 
Um, yes, which with Michael Sarah, who I had a crush on briefly, that was borderline. Maybe he was too young to have that crush, but I don't care. I had a crush on him once. I'm just going to say it. That's really that's that's a truly strange thing to say, Kristen. <laughs> you had a crush on Michael Sarah. I th- I find that truly strange. It was because of Nick and Nor's <laughs> Infinite Playlist. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Fine. Fine. Anywho, back to um, Superbad. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, this was uh, directed by a guy named Greg Matola. Um, uh, he's actually a Long Islander. I always like to say that because I write for Newsday. So any little Long Island plug, I like to give that out there. Um, and uh, written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, his uh, future writing partner. Uh, this is a script they wrote when they were 13. And of course, by the time they um, uh, got the film made, they were too old to play the two leads. Um, so they put Jonah Hill and uh, Michael Sarah uh, into the parts. Uh, it's the story of two dorks named, what do you know, Seth and Evan. <laughs> and they're in high school, um, which means, of course, these two guys really have only two things in their mind. One is sex and the other is being cool. It's very difficult to say which one of those is more important to them. Um, but these two issues come together. When this very cute girl named Jules invites them to a party. And when I say cute, I mean played by Emma Stone Mm -hmm. cute. So Seth, uh, the Jonah Hill character, clearly realizes that he's got to find a way to come through on this. He's got to show up to the party. He's got to be the cool guy who buys the alcohol. And he's got to bring his best friend, make a good showing, impress this girl, and maybe get lucky. And, of course, when you're two dorks trying to buy alcohol, the first thing you do is turn to a third dork, in this case, named Vogel, played by Christopher Mintz. Plus, here's a clip. Here's the money in the list. Change is yours. Keep the change. Thank you. Uh, What's the list for? The alcohol. We're going to get alcohol for the whole party, okay? This is, this is a lot of stuff, man. I don't, I don't know if I can get away with all this. What difference does it make how much it is? I don't know, man. I'm, like, really nervous. Are you okay? No, man. I should have worn the vest. Calm no, down. No. What if I go in there and they turn me down, man? Then we're in the same exact place that we're in right now. Who cares? I can't do that. Oh, my God. This whole thing is bigger than you, Fogel. What if I don't feel like it anymore, Seth? What? I'll get a knife, cut your dumb little face off, throw it over mine. Oh, really? You don't have the technology or the steady hands to pull off a procedure like that. So, ha! Peace! Fogel, just be cool, man. Get in and get out. Rafer, just, I'm going to give a spoiler here to listeners. Yes. Alcohol may end up in detergent containers in this movie. And I have to confess, (laughs) maybe I put alcohol in shampoo containers once as a teenager and threw up lots and lots and lots afterward. And so when I watched this movie... I kind of cringed during that. I know it was supposed to be hilarious, but all I could think is, damn it, I've done that too. That's an actual thing? I know. It's so embarrassing. I was trying to sneak alcohol. This is why I say I wasn't I wasn't actually a bad kid, so I didn't <laughs> know this stuff. I didn't know this stuff. I'm not going to say I was a bad kid. I still got straight A's. I just... I had recreational activities, okay? <laughs> Listen, that's fine. Um <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay. See, this is. See, I did not know that. Um, I thought that was just. I thought that was just a fanciful invention on the part of the filmmakers. Oh um, no, I can back it up. That's real. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought this up, though, because you know, one. I do want to say at the outset to our listener that this film is not family friendly. This is a rated R film, and it is vulgar with a capital V, and <laughs> it's a lot of sex talk. None of it in good taste. There's a there's a couple of sight gags I recall that are a little bit gross, but it's not it's not over the top. And of course, you know, 
you've got these kids who are one of the who are buying alcohol illegally, which you know technically is not funny, um, even though every single one of us did it in our lives. <laughs> um, there's some drug use in the film, but that's among the adults; it's not among the kids. So, I do want to say to the listener here that if your kids are 15 and 17, you know, think about this a little bit. You know, I don't know, is, but even your introverted 15-year-old is probably thinking some of these thoughts, you know, probably. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's a little tough. This is, a, this is an edgy film. This is, you're going to have to use some judgment on whether or not you really want to go there and watch this film with your kids. Perhaps it can be a teachable moment about the perils <laughs> of buying alcohol illegally. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Kristen, you're not buying that at all. I do remember laughing and laughing, and I do think this will give your kids that virtual uh, naughty night out that you want them to have. But yes, your kids may not want to make eye contact with you during certain portions of the film. I'll just say that. That is very, very true. That is very, very true. All right. I think we have got two excellent recommendations here for uh, a couple of kids who need some virtual rambunctiousness. Uh, from me, super bad, and from Kristen, the excellent, excellent and dearly departed freaks and geeks. All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie or TV recommendation? Use the contact form at RaferandKristen.com. You do not have to use your real name. Nobody ever does. No, they don't. No. Nobody does. <laughs> when we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. We're back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter, Rafer. I'm going to let you read this one. Okay. This one comes from Jeff. Jeff says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I recently devoured The Flight Attendant on HBO, the series about the flight attendant who wakes up in a hotel room with a man she met in transit. The problem? He's dead, and she has to find out how he died. I loved how fast-paced the show was, how stylized, and how it kept me guessing. Is there another show you can recommend to me in the same vein? What should I watch next? Oh, Jeff, I am so grateful that we got a letter from somebody who watched The Flight Attendant. You've seen it? I I loved the show. I started watching it on Thanksgiving, Rafer. Uh, they released three episodes, I think, Thanksgiving weekend. I watched all three right off the bat. And then I had to do that dumb thing where I have to wait once a week for the next episode. Yep. And another, another week for the next one. Oh, What torturous. is this, 1980? God. Right. I hear you. The worst. But of course, I devoured all of it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Jeff, that summation of the show is great. I'll also add that for anyone who hasn't seen it and is curious, uh, Kaylee Cuoco, whose name I am not pronouncing right, I don't think, but maybe I am. <laughs> Kaylee Cuoco uh, is the flight attendant here, and she is playing somebody who isn't just in a weird, twisted situation that she's trying to figure out. She also is an unreliable narrator because she has addiction issues. She's self-sabotaging. Ah. She kind of ruins everything with anybody who loves her. So on the one hand, you're cheering for her as she tries to unravel the truth in this situation. And on the other hand, you're just shaking your fists at the TV if you're me like, oh, my God, why are you ruining everything again? Oh, why did you do that? 
Why did you do that? And it makes it really fun to watch. I really loved the show. I really did. All right. So that makes me want to watch it because I, I was talking with my dad the other day, who's essentially just an older version of me. And <laughs> I said, I said, Dad, what do you what are you watching these days? And he said, he said, I'm watching The Flight Attendant and his wife really likes it. He says, yeah, she loves it. I think it's stupid. And <laughs> I said, really? And he said, yeah, what a stupid show. So I thought, all right, forget it. But the premise sounds really good to me. And I, I like that. I like that idea. Um, so if you say it's good, Kristen, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll overrule my dad and I'll try to watch that. I really loved it. I, th- I think you would love it, too. And I definitely think Anne would love it. All right. All right. I'll check that out. So, OK, so. What do you have in terms of a good recommendation for a show? Well, I got to say, another series that I absolutely loved and binged as fast as I could that also has a strong, screwed-up female lead (laughs) dealing with all sorts of mysteries just landed in my lap last week. It was Flack, which was released on Amazon Prime. Do you know Flack, Rafer? Only because it probably landed in my lap the same way it landed on yours on Twitter. I get like I get like thirty <laughs> Twitter tweets a day saying, "Watch Flack. How about a sex tape?" I mean, I can't I, I can't even <laughs> count how many times they're pushing Flack at me. Is it good? It is so delicious, Rafer. It is so freaking good. Thank you, Twitter, because yes, Twitter, you push this on me. Uh, All right, no. Flack follows Robin, who's a crisis management PR specialist played by Anna Paquin. In each episode, she helps a different client get out of a bad situation unscathed. And the situations range from uh, extramarital affairs to sometimes things that are more criminal. But uh, again, this show is not just about shocking and unexpected solutions to PR nightmares and, you know, the puzzle of like, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? Because there's a lot of that puzzle there. But it's also just about this woman who is so messed up and keeps on screwing up things in her private life, even though she manages to mostly hold it together in her professional life. Here's a clip. The world keeps turning. Come on! We just help push. Don't stop! Keep going! I've got this! If this comes out, I'm dead. Wake up! I don't care if you lie or send innocent people to jail. As long as you're in control, we are the guardians of the galaxy. What do you know about us? You've got offices in London and LA and New York. You cover everything from media training to brand management and specializing in crisis management. We don't use the word crisis. We call them challenges. I'm Rob. I work for the PR firm that represents your husband. Oh, thank God you're here. That was a normal bar. As you are. Our job is a top-down rebrand. What about a sex tape? Ooh. Oh, oh. That's it. That's it. Suck it like a fig. Plenty of uh, squeaks and squeals. Did you see what you were saying about me on Twitter? What's it like under there? Can't we just say it wasn't me? Who's going to issue the denial? You look like the invisible man. If managed correctly, the first openly gay premiership football player is going to make millions. But I'm not gay. I did not know, even after all these Twitter uh, advertisements, that Anna Paquin was in this. Oh, yes, she is. And she's just terrific. I was just thinking the other day, she's one of the only child stars I know where she's just gotten better and better and better and better. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Um, A lot of child stars kind of just like, they sort of, no offense, Drew Barrymore, they kind of act the same cute character they've been playing since they were 16. Hey, don't talk about, don't, don't, don't you talk about Drew Barrymore. 
Quiet. I love Drew Barrymore. You know I love her. But I feel like Anna Paquin just keeps going to new and different places. That's true. She's and a little edgier than Drew Barrymore, yeah, of course. Yeah. She's she's really fantastic. And I loved Flack. I devoured it so quickly. It really did have me on the edge of my seat. And in the end, I just thought, oh, man, I could not wait till the next season, which is in April, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. That's good to know. So, so Twitter is good for pushing something on you besides, um, you know, uh, political hatred and manscaping advertisements. Um, I'm glad to hear that because I see it all the time. All right, Flack, I'll check it out. And what about you, Rafer? What are you going to prescribe to Jeff? Uh, okay, well, now as you know, um, I know that Jeff was asking for a show. I, I'm, I'm more of a movie guy than a, than a TV guy. I do my best, but you know, I, I usually fall back onto movies, and I'm going to do that here. I'm going to recommend a movie from 2016 that I liked a lot called 10 Cloverfield Lane. Now, Kristen, do you know this movie? Of course I do. I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. This is uh, Elizabeth Winstead. Is that right? That's right. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. And the great John Goodman being, wow, the spookiest John Goodman I have ever seen. Yes, exactly. Um, I think, now I'm, again, I have not seen uh, Flight Attendant, but uh, this is one of these uh, sort of compact premise thrillers. Uh, you've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She plays Michelle. Uh, she's a young woman in Louisiana, I think. She's just had a breakup. Oh, I'm, I broke up with my boyfriend. I'm driving away at night. Suddenly, wham, she's hit by a truck. She's knocked unconscious. She wakes up in not a hospital, but a bunker, kind of a nice bunker. It's like a combination living room, kitchen, almost like a studio apartment, but it's definitely still a bunker. And the guy who owns it is Howard, played by John Goodman. Uh, he says, listen, I, I, you know, I haven't kidnapped you. I, I found you uh, at the side of the road. You were unconscious. I saved you. Um, but you can't go out because there's been an attack of some kind. And Michelle's trying to figure out, what do you mean, like nuclear, chemical, alien? What do you mean exactly by attack? Well, she can't f find out because Howard won't let her outside because it's too dangerous. There's another guy in this bunker, younger guy about uh, Michelle's age, guy named Emmett, played by John Gallagher Jr. He seems to think the attack is real, but he also seems like a little bit of a dope who gets most of his information from Howard. And so Michelle kind of is trapped in this underground bunker and has no idea what's going on outside, and she doesn't know who or what to believe. And here's a clip. How's that sauce? Fine. Those cooks go, I'm okay. Not great, but okay. Megan was a good cook. You'll learn to love cooking. It's delicious. It's the best sauce I've ever tasted. Are you being funny? No. I mean, considering the alternative, which is, you know, getting burnt up in a chemical attack or nuclear, I'd say being alive and down here would make a fried turd taste pretty good. So, best damn sauce I ever had. That's not a bad point. And please, watch your language at table. Rafer, this is such a fun prescription for Jeff here because a lot of what happens in the flight attendant is also a question of like, hold on, what do I believe here? Right. What's true? What's not true? What is in my head? Is my memory flawed? Is my reasoning flawed? Right. And it's so fun to watch uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead 
try to find clues, but is that actually a clue or is she just misunderstanding what this is? Exactly. And, and um, I don't want to give it away, but there is one point where she climbs a ladder and sees something scratched yes. into a window. <laughs> of course, that's a and great moment. And what she sees scratched in is just like something I think about all the time of like, what's to be believed? What's real? What's not real? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's great. It's great. Uh, and it's and it's really nicely directed uh, by a guy named Dan Trachtenberg. Um, and uh, it's it's just it's like tightly paced, you know, and like Kristen is saying, it's just it's question after question. And every question, you know, sort of you find an answer and then you think, oh, my God, that's it. I've solved it. But then there's another question right behind it. Um, there is, I will say, I'm going to try to be very, very vague about this. There is a backstory to this movie, and I don't want to say anything more than that. I personally think it's better not to know the backstory and the sort of connections that this movie might have. Uh, either way, I still think it works. I still think it's a great little movie. Um, fun fact, uh, Damien Chazelle from Whiplash and La La Land, he helped write mm-hmm. the screenplay. Oh, um, you're kidding. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, so it's a it's a it's a great movie. A lot of fun. A real uh, a real head trip. Uh, and and I and I think exactly the way that our listener would like. Excellent. So once again, our prescriptions are from Rafer, Ten Cloverfield Lane, and from me, Flack on Amazon Prime. And that's it for a very fast-paced episode of Movie Therapy. Indeed it is, but that doesn't mean we're abandoning all of you out there. We still love you. We still want to hear from you. We still read every single letter you write us. So reach out to us on RaferandKristen.com, or you can tweet us at RaferGuzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And if you haven't already, join our Facebook community at Facebook.com slash group slash RaferandKristen. There are lots of other movie and TV fanatics out there. Yes, even Rafer goes on there sometimes and interacts with people. <laughs> even me. I've done it. Yes. I've posted some stuff. Yes, you have. And please, if you have not yet done so already, tell your friends about the show. It really does help a lot. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you.